Welcome to Fear Free Childbirth Podcast with Alexia Leachman, the weekly nine-month podcast to help parents-to-be look forward to their fear-free childbirth. Alexia is a pregnancy and head trash clearance coach and the author of Fear Free Childbirth, How to Have a Stress-Free Pregnancy and a Positive Pain-Free Birth. As a mum who's had two fear-free and pain-free births, Alexia wants to share with you how she overcame her pregnancy and childbirth fears so that you can look forward to having a fear-free birth too. Over the nine-month life of this podcast, Alexia will be sharing some real-life stories from mums and dads, insights into the latest childbirth research, inspiring tales from birth professionals, and some tips and techniques for clearing your fears and stresses. If you would like to receive a free chapter from her book, then head over to fearfreechildbirth.com, where you can also sign up for her email series, How to Have a Stress-Free Pregnancy. But now, it's time for the show. Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leachman, and thank you so much for joining me today. Now, today's episode is a bit like a mug of hot chocolate by a roaring fire, because it's the kind of episode that you just want to snuggle up with a cup of hot chocolate or a cup of tea or something like that, and it just makes you feel good. So why why am I saying this? Well, because I've got such a fabulous guest on today who's going to share so much wisdom and knowledge around birth, pregnancy, motherhood, that it really is very comforting to listen to her. Today, I'm going to be speaking to Kiki Hansard, and Kiki has been working as a doula, as a doula educator since 2002. She's also trained and studies with with some of the greats of the birthing world, including Ina May Gaskin and Sheila Katzinger. So she really is somebody who knows her birthing stuff, her pregnancy stuff. She's also the mum of two kids, so she's well into motherhood as well. So she's really, really like a wise old friend that knows much more than you do if you're new to that whole birthing motherhood journey. And when I was chatting to her, there was she said something and it really reminded me of something that happened to me. And I remember the first time when I went to the doctor and the doctor said to me, yep, you're pregnant. You know, this is it, you know. And, and then she said, congratulations, good luck. I'll see you when you bring the baby in. And I remember thinking, whoa, hang on a minute. I'm not going to see you for the whole of my pregnancy. And I remember thinking feeling a bit panicky in that moment and thinking, well, hang on a minute, who's going to look after me then? You can't just leave me pregnant. And and even if it's just a sort of fleeting moment, I remember thinking, hang on a minute, how how can I, I need help here. I can't, you can't just leave me to be pregnant on my own. And And of course, you have your regular midwife visits and all that kind of stuff. But I do remember that I, in that moment, I feel like I needed somebody to just say, hey, come here, let me just come here and let me just talk this through with you and just tell you how it's going to be. And and as somebody that lost my mum over 10 years ago, I didn't have my mum to call in that moment. And so what I would have liked actually in that moment was to fast forward in time and listen to this very episode that I'm about to share with you today. Now, Kiki, in during our chat, we we talk about birthing, we talk about preparing for birth, we talk about pregnancy, we talk about being a mum and wrestling with that new motherhood journey and how how it you know how to best approach it for minimum stress and maximum joy and you know none of this sort of um 
difficulties that can so often and do crop up all the time in pregnancy, birth and in motherhood. So, you know, when I was sort of chatting with Kiki beforehand, we were like, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? Because I was so thrilled to get her on the podcast. And actually, we ended up just saying, hey, let's just let it roll and see what happens. And I'm so glad we did that because it's such an interesting chat. So some of the things that we end up talking about, you know, we talk about how how to approach your birth, how to think about your pregnancy, how to treat your pregnancy, what you should, what the opportunity of being pregnant and having a new little one arriving soon in your life, what that opportunity is, how to sort of make the most out of that opportunity. She also talks a lot about her new book, which is out and she's giving away a free chapter and you can grab hold of that free chapter right now on the fearfreechildbirth.com website. So if you just go to the show notes for today's episode, which you'll be able to find at fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash Kiki, that's K-I-C-K-I, super easy to remember, then you can get a free chapter from her new book, which is called The Secret of Birth. And this book, just like Kiki, is just this like this wise friend that kind of just tells you how it's, you know, how it can be and how to think about it and how to approach it. That, that really is kind of a very helpful angle. She's not telling you to do anything. It's not prescriptive. And, and that's very much in line with her philosophy. So, um, yeah, I don't want to sort of talk too much about what we end up talking about. But that's pretty much what today's episode is like. It's just just like having a comforting chat with somebody who knows so much about birth and pregnancy and motherhood that you just want to listen to what she's got to say. And so that's what we're going to be chatting about. So, But before I hand over to that chat, I've just got one little thing I want to share with you. And that's for those of you that are really keen to get rid of any fears that you might have around birth. As you know, this podcast is all about helping you to have a fear-free childbirth. And and for me, doing that means educating yourself about birth so that you are no longer fearful about of the unknown. And the unknown is very much the birth process for many women. But also we have fears. Some of us have very deep-rooted fears and it's about getting rid of those fears. And I have got an episode way back early on in the podcast that sort of touches on my tool and technique that you can use to clear your own fears yourself. While I've got great news for you, if this is some that you're interested in finding out more about. I've got a free video training series that will be coming out in the next few weeks. And so if you want to see, if you want to get get your name on the list of the first people that are going to get hold of this video training series, then you can put your name on the list right now. So all you need to do is go to fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash wait list, all one word, wait list, and you'll be on the list of people to get the first first view of my free video training series, which basically helps you to get rid of your fears to prepare for childbirth. So if that's something you're interested in, then just go to fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash waitlist. And in the next few weeks, you will get the videos to help you to clear your fears. So if you're in your you know, if you've still got like another six weeks minimum before your birth, then this could be really helpful for you to prepare for your birth. Anyway, back to today's episode. So today I'm going to be speaking to Kiki Hansard, who is just fabulous. She's also, if you heard of the book, The Raw Behind the Silence, she's contributed to that Amazon number one bestseller book. And like I said, she's also uh, got her own book, The Secrets of Birth, which is now available to pre-order on Amazon. So if you want to get a free chapter from the book, you can get that from the podcast show notes for today, which is forward slash Kiki. And also uh, and also the link is there for you to pre-order it. So without further ado, this is when I spoke to Kiki Hansard all about birth, pregnancy, motherhood and lots more. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Kiki, to the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Oh, thank you for having me, Alexia. I'm really excited to be here. Um, now, before we kick off, I, I think we're going to be chatting about all sorts of really great birth related stuff because you've got so much amazing work that you do. But before we dive into all that good stuff, would you mind just sort of telling the listeners who may not have heard about your great work a little bit about who you are, what you do and how you came to do this great work that you do? Okay, well, yes, I'd love to. Uh, so I am originally from Sweden and I moved here to the UK uh, when I was 19. So I've lived here for a long time, over 25 years. And when I got pregnant, I was, I think just like any woman, a bit kind of handed myself over to the medicals and had my baby pretty quickly, actually, um, because I, I kind of didn't think too much about it. Actually, I didn't think all I thought was, it's going to come out. So, you know, I don't have to worry too much about it. But it was later afterwards, actually, when I've had my first baby that I found it really difficult. You know, I had a high maintenance baby. It's quite colicky. And I thought, this is really hard. You know, I, I can remember sitting on the step outside my house just thinking, well, you know, what have I done? I've ruined my life. This, this is so hard. And, you know, when you think that, you don't feel very guilty because you're thinking, well, it's not my baby's fault. You know, I really wanted my baby, but actually this is a lot harder than I thought. So I, anyway, I struggled through with, you know, my mum being in, in Sweden, of course. I had my mother-in-law here was very supportive. But anyway, I had another baby. And then I read in a Sunday magazine probably a couple of years after I had my second child. And I read about these women called doulas. And I thought, a doula, a doula is someone that comes and support you after you've had a baby and also during the birth. And I thought, oh, I so wish I had known that I could have called this woman who could have come around, helped me with all the kind of things that I needed doing around the house, but also just tell me that what I was doing was okay. Mm. You know, that I was a good mum, that anything that I was doing for my child was good enough. And I thought I would love to do that. I would really love to give that back to other women. So that's how I kind of got into the whole birthing world because I was going to be a postnatal doula helping women after they had children. So, of course, I went and did the doula course in 2002. Um, and I absolutely it opened up a new world for me. I had never really thought so much about how obviously the birth impacts on your postnatal time. And it, it seems obvious now. <laughs> and and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to do that as well. I'm going to be a birth doula as well. And so that's when I started and got more and more involved in in the whole, this woman's experience. And I realized what I really is passionate about is, is the woman or the women. That's yeah. why I want to support, not only when they have babies and when, when they're moms and when they give birth, but actually always in whatever they do as as doulas running their own businesses or as women just working and managing and balancing their lives so so I then became a doula course facilitator uh, I got quite involved with doula UK I set up my own doula course three years ago so I now run a doula course only well four or six times a year so it's not it's not like a it's enough Every other month I run a course. And I've also got involved through Doula UK with uh, this um, cross-party manifesto called 1001 Days. So I was at House of Parliament and it was it was mad. I got involved very late on when they already drawn up this big report about how... So the 1001 Days are 
from conception until the baby's two years old. And it's all about what we can do to keep the mum. Mental health was a big issue. You know, how do we support uh, babies well or their parents or mothers well so that they will have, uh, will have good, healthy two-year-olds? But birth was not really much part of the report at that point, and breastfeeding wasn't even mentioned. So now I'm sitting in this in in the House of Parliament, in you know in the Big Ben building. Yeah. It's actually called the Palace of Westminster, I think. And I'm looking around. There's all these you know baronesses and MPs and, and little me. And, and I it's carefully I put my hand up, and and the chair says, "Says you next." And I was so nervous, and I, was, and, and I managed to squeak out something on the lines of, well, uh, I am sure there's evidence to back up that the way a woman births her baby has an impact on her well-being and on the baby's well-being. And he said, oh, yes, but no one's given evidence for that, so we haven't included it in the report. So I said, well, I can give you some evidence. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Julia UK can do it. Um, and we got 24 hours to, to do that. Wow. And it was so, it was mad. And so they did actually then, not only was birth more included in the report, but they also added a whole thing on breastfeeding, like an addition to the whole manifesto. So, yeah, so that, that was my latest big challenge. Wow. And then, <laughs> then you're in the middle of, you're about to launch a new book as well, aren't you? Yes. So tell yes. us a little bit about the book. Yes, I've written a book. It's called The Secrets of Birth. And I, I decided that I wanted to write a book that was slightly different than all the books that you can get out there. There's so many on pregnancy and childbirth, as I'm sure you're aware of. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to write a book that was going to be more uh, full of information for women to choose for themselves um, rather than the the five steps to the perfect birth kind of a book mm. um, i it the book contains basically the secrets are that you you know you don't have to train to give birth you know women often feel they have to study and train before the big event and it's actually physiological it, it you know something that happens in your body uh, there's one chapter on you know where where to give birth uh, choosing your place of birth. There's also with some discussions um, about the prescriptiveness of childbirth. You know, this whole idea that y y you can give everyone the same information when we're all so different. Mm. Um, and there's also about being a mum, you know, that you don't have to be perfect, which I've discovered myself <laughs> that it's okay to just muddle through and do the best you can, and that that's absolutely fine. Mm. Um, so the overall uh, theme, would I, I would say, about the book is also about birth being an ex an experience which women can learn so much from. It doesn't matter how the birth is, um, as in it doesn't have to be a certain way for it to, to qualify as a good birth experience, for example. It's just whatever you go through during birth, you always learn something. And those skills that we learn as we give birth, but also as we become mothers and have children, are skills that you can actually apply to all areas of your life. And I don't think women or that we actually look at it like that, mm. as birth being a, a gift or a, an opportunity for, for learning and for growth. Mm. Certainly when I was um, in my first pregnancy, I used my pregnancy as a huge opportunity to just tackle a lot of my own 
mental and emotional negativity, I guess, because I was so terrified mm-hmm. of the birth that I used yeah. my pregnancy to just deal with all my fear and get rid of it. And I was amazed at how that it was quite an intense period of internal work, to be honest. Uh-huh. And, and that was quite transformational for me that when I gave birth, not only did I become a mother, which was obviously a massive moment of transition and transformation, but my own emotional life had taken mm-hmm. a little bit of a, a, you know, sort of an overhaul as well. And so I was a new yeah. person on so many levels as a result uh-huh. of what I did during my pregnancy. And I'm so pleased that I did that. And mm-hmm. and certainly part of what I want to do is urge other mothers to take that same, you know, to do a similar kind of work with themselves because it's just so great to help them prepare for motherhood. I've certainly benefited massively. But like you're saying, not just in motherhood, but in other aspects of my life, in mm-hmm. terms of all the things that I learned about myself as yes. I prepared for that birthing moment, you know. So it's really great that you're talking about that as well. Absolutely. Like you're saying, I think when you are pregnant and you, you know you're going to be giving birth at some point, it's it's kind of a forced transformation in a way yeah. when you then become a mother. You can't actually back out of it. You know, most things in life you could, you know, just, you know, decide not to do it or come up with an excuse to not you know I'm not going to be a mum now you can't really do that you have to actually be a mum at some point so this all this work that you can do uh, just looking at yourself and learning more about yourself I think you discover that in birth I think it's a big discovery after you've given birth just Mm. what kind of a person you are and what areas that you might want to do some work with or or just accept that that's how you are Mm. so it's not I guess what I'm saying is everything is what it is and the the easier and the quicker you accept kind of what's going on around you, I think the easier your life becomes. Um, Mm. When I say it's not kind of surrendering and giving up, it's more of a being flexible, have a Mm. flexible mind, you know, so you can be open to everything that's new and changing and feel comfortable with that. And I think birth and becoming a mother is just such a great opportunity for for that transformation or change to happen. And it might take a while, Mm. but if you're open, uh, especially as a new mum, which I found was this fight, the fight against wanting it to be normal again. I, I didn't want it to be like it was. I wanted it to be normal. I wanted to get things done. I wanted to, you know, go back to like it used to be. And that struggle was actually what was painful, not actually what was going on around me, you know, mm. that, that I had to feed the baby all the time and I didn't sleep very much and I didn't get out some days. And when I actually managed to look at it, as do you know what I should enjoy this this mm. is only now this is this time now and then it will never come again and it doesn't matter if I can't you know clean the house every Thursday like I used to do or you know I that I don't get to do all these these long lists of things I want to do that's when it became easier and, mm. and I think that is something that new mums really if they can look at that and and try and do that themselves, they will enjoy it more. Mm, so that's that acceptance piece, really, isn't it? It's accepting exactly. the, the way that things are. And I know mm-hmm. I had that struggle for a while. I think you know when you have your first one, you still try and pretend that you kind of haven't got one in in a, in a yeah. weird way, and try and yeah. carry on with this normal life, the life that you had on before. But you know, I think oh, it's all right. I can just add kid, and I'm just yeah. who I was, but with kid. And it's like, Ex- and it's only now I've had two that I'm kind of like accepting that I'm a mum, and it's like okay 
get rid of the small car, the small sporty hatch. It's not going to work yeah. with two kids and prams. Get yeah. the big mum car. You know, I'm kind of embracing mumhood now in a way yes. that I wasn't before. I was trying to still pretend to be the younger me and, and it's taken a while. But you're yes. right. Just accepting and embracing where you're at and who you are makes mm-hmm. such an easier journey, doesn't it? It does, absolutely. Yeah. And and you just get a new normal. Mm. Things will be a new normal. But then that's the, the thing with kids. I think that's the other great thing is this lesson in being flexible and actually yeah. all the time you come up with stuff that, you know, well up inside you with your kids. <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got teenager teenagers now and one of my children just got her driving license last week. Wow. You know, yeah, I know. And it's all this kind of... This need we all have to control things, like especially me, you know, and I, I feel it coming up and I'm, I have to kind of stop myself. And I'm thinking, that's so great. If I didn't have these children, if I didn't have this experience, I would not be challenging myself every day mm. when stuff comes up. And I'm thinking, oh, come on, you know, really question yourself. And I think it's exactly the same in, in a birth, but... If women don't see it as that opportunity or that there is the chance of doing this work during this time, they're not going to really realize that they can. Mm. So I, I think that's that's kind of the message as well. I want women to see what an opportunity birth is rather than what they see every day on the TV, you know, One Born Every Minute or other programs like that, which just portrays birth as, you know, like our like our inherited punishment from days long gone by you know we should suffer in childbirth it's so crazy that we've let whatever society turn this beautiful thing into something that women fear so much Mm. now you mentioned earlier on when you talk about your book about this idea of this prescriptive nature that of mm. birth and I wouldn't mind just sort of talking a little bit more about that and and if you could just sort of talk a little bit more about what do you mean by that and how how do you want to kind of move is it move us away from that idea I I think the prescriptiveness I'm talking about is the the, the ways that you know you have to birth this way for example uh, I know that all kind of different types of hypnobirthing is really helpful to couples to prepare for birth but it's it's when it's sold as this is the way you know if you if you do this then you won't feel any pain and you'll have a really good birth however what happens if if the woman doesn't have a very good birth or she finds it really difficult to use these techniques then you know the blame is always put on the mum you know Mm. she probably didn't do it right it's the same with active birth you know you should be active and move around all the time not necessarily all women want to be active and move around all the time you know I've been with women who have they've just lied on their side the whole labor literally lifted one leg and had a baby they Mm -hmm. haven't been active at all so when you tell women that this is the one way or this is what you should be doing women stop then to listen and feel what does it feel like inside what do I really want to do this instead they are you know desperately looking for a a way which doing it the right way of course because you don't want to feel that you're doing it wrong and that you do some damage but also I think you stop to really feel what it is you you want to do as a person so I guess it's difficult because society is like that. Everyone wants a list. This is what you do. Tick mm. them off and then you have done it right. So it's all this 
this right and wrong uh, ways of doing things, which is so individual. So I guess the prescriptiveness, I want to get away from the whole idea that, yes, have a big, it's good to have a big toolbox of, of things that you can use in labor, but don't forget about your innate wisdom that you also have inside what you want to do because mm. women behave very different in labor some will you know i've chased some around you know they're, they're <laughs> literally walking around really quickly and breathing through their contractions other women are lying down not moving other other women want to do a combination of things you know like they look like they're doing you know step aerobics in labor during contractions so i want women to realize that actually you can do whatever you want to do as long as it's helpful for you. Mm. Uh, and it's the same when you're a parent. Mm. You don't have to put the vest on over the head of the baby. You can do it from the bottom and pull it up. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just kind of trust yourself. I think that's the big thing. And I'm hoping then women will feel more passionate and more excited about, you know, I can do what I want. What is it that I do want to do uh, mm. instead of feeling worried that, whatever they feel they want to do is wrong mm -hmm. and, and kind of fighting that mm. but I think you know what a lot of people just don't know what they want and that can be it's, a yeah. huge huge challenge for many people you know they don't know what they want to do what they want to do in their lives so exactly it's just asking them to try and figure out what they want to do on anything <laughs> on a smaller scale can it can actually really be overwhelming for people when there can be so many potential choices and then they that's I guess why they default to well, I'll do mm -hmm. what's right in inverted commas yeah. or what I should do because then it saves them potentially having to do the work to figure out, look at the options and it gives them yeah. an easy way out potentially. So I, I'm thinking that might, that might be why a lot of women do go the prescriptive route because it's, it's maybe just a lazy route potentially. Uh, well, yes, it might be, but it's also that most women don't get all the information. You know, it's not... I think the key and number one information women need is about physiological birth, like how it works, that it's your hormones, that it's something that happens in your body to just understand evolution, you know, how we are still giving birth now like we did when we lived in caves. And and to, to kind of understand that it's the most important thing is who you have with you and how you feel and where you are so that mm. you feel safe. And I don't think that's actually always told, you know, in antenatal preparation classes. It's more about, you know, these are the different options for pain management. These are your different stages of, of, of birth uh, and labor. And I think... I think the antenatal information needs to be more basic, as in this is a physiological process that happens in your body. And mm. there are reasons which will prevent this happening because that's how we survived. You know, mm. we stop birth if we feel threatened. We, we can't uh, produce really good uh, amounts of oxytocin if we don't feel loved, warm and protected. So it's, it's, it's those things. So, and because it sounds and feels a little bit like, you know, mumbo jumbo, <laughs> women want to have more facts. Yeah. I mean, this is a fact. This is scientific but, fact, isn't it? A fact. Yeah, yeah, it's a fact. You but, can't get more fact than this. <laughs> exactly. However, it doesn't. It, it needs to be more. Surely, I must do something. Maybe it's because we do that. We study for exams. We we you know we want to do well at work, so we study and work hard. 
And it's the same kind of thing. If if I want to do well at birth, I better study for it as well. And and that engages the wrong part of your brain. You know, mm. that's your neocortex then trying to control what's going to happen next. And that's the one thing you do not want to have when you're in labor. So I think it's 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 fundamentally it's the view of birth that society has or the western world anyway has at the moment of birth and i think that needs to be challenged mm. it needs to be and, and and i think they can only start when you know when you are a kid when you're at school when yeah. you yeah. you know when you when you so many women will say to me oh i remember when we did this at school and we watched a video of this woman screaming in lots yeah. of pain oh. yeah. I mean, yeah how is that helpful no, I know that that video traumatized me. And that was the one thing that I kept in my mind that completely mm. made me fearful when I was pregnant. And it was just that video of a woman screaming in pain that we saw yeah. at school. And it's like, my goodness, I wish it, it, it's incredible that school, wherever we are fed information about birth, whether it's through programs like One Born Every Minute or whether it's like this video they show at school, certainly my experience was that in the UK, that just mm. traumatize or, or instill fear in, in girls and women. And, yeah. and I, I wonder whether at school they've got a slightly different agenda going on. They just don't want a load of teenage pregnancy. So they're just trying to, like, stop them <laughs> messing about. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and But actually, they would they could do much better by educating about that whole it, birth process so that there's more mm-hmm. understanding about it. Because there isn't any. And it's amazing when you think half the population are going to go likely to go through this process or this experience. Yeah. And nobody knows that much about it. And yet it's, yeah. it's what our race relies on for its continuity and survival. It's it, staggering yeah. when you think about it like that, isn't it? I, I know. It's, it's, it's scary and, it, and it's shocking. And when you grow up fearing birth and then you add all the media, you know, mm-hmm. the headlines. And, and I think it's the way women are always kind of just a byproduct of the birth you know you read something in a a headline in the paper and it says you know husband catches baby in car park you know or delivers even even the worst word you know husband delivers baby in car park where was the woman it's like there was no woman involved so mm. we we kind of been conditioned and actually once you're pregnant that that there's a baby in growing you kind of have no control over your body or or what happens to it it's like you have to hand yourself over to be delivered of this baby which takes away all the power from the woman mm. and you know you can you can ask if there's like some bigger agenda mm. <laughs> going on because it's a powerful thing to actually yeah. be able to give birth yeah and i think a lot of women who are able to embrace that birthing moment and, and really look forward to it and embrace it and, and reclaim their power from it find mm-hmm. it an incredibly empowering experience and i think this is the only time that the word empowering with women is is right to use because it's it's true it really taps into the female power that that is innate within them and that that Mm -hmm. they can carry into all aspects of their lives and and take that feeling that confidence that that knowledge that they can do anything they can birth a baby and that is the most incredible thing ever and Mm -hmm. carry that into all aspects and and yet many don't and that's so, so tragic on many levels 
Uh, absolutely, it, it is, and the the birth process itself, you know, it's like a bit like life, the life cycle. You know, everything you do in life, you get to a point where you just don't want to do it. You want you want to give up. You can't mm. do it, and especially in birth, there's the point where you just you really don't think you can do anymore. But with the support of people around you, and then that realization when you get over that, next thing, literally, you have your baby in your arms. It's, there's nothing like it. That feeling of, oh, you know, so many women will turn around and say to me, you know, I, I, you know, I can do anything. I've done mm-hmm. it. I can mm-hmm. do anything. But at the same time, for a woman, that's, you know, for for medical reasons, perhaps is, is choosing to have a, a, a cesarean birth, she should also be able to feel that powerful. Having, you know, choosing her environment, maybe even choosing to have a natural cesarean. There's so many options that sometimes uh, aren't put across to women so that they they feel maybe that that it's an easier way even to have a cesarean. It's nothing wrong with that. It's just that it's happening a bit too much. And the main reason, I think, is because there's not a supportive enough environment sometimes in a hospital to have a... um, a, you know, a physiological birth, which is also backed up by the evidence from the big study they did, you know, the birthplace study, mm. which they did in the UK. So it, it's, it's not, I think a lot of when we hear politicians or talk about we need to lower cesarean section rates, it's actually more about we need to improve the way we support and help and enable women to give birth at home, for example, which many home birth um home birth options are taken away from women you know they close the services in many areas of the uk so you can't you can't choose to have a home birth anymore you know it's it it needs to be more choice and there needs to be more support for Mm. women Mm. now i want to talk a little bit about babies and how we think about babies and and more more specifically how we think about our babies when they're in our bellies yes Um, because this I, I recently read a fascinating book by a guy called David Chamberlain. I'm going to do a podcast about his work later on, so I'll be diving a little bit more into this anyway. But we had a little pre-chat before we started recording about this, and we both feel quite passionate about it. About it. So I just mm-hmm. wanted us to talk a little bit about it. And uh-huh. there's this idea that babies, a lot of people think about babies as being these little sort of tiny uh, inhuman almost, and they only <laughs> yeah. kind of become human beings once they pop out. And even then, we're not even treating them with the same kind of respect that maybe an or, a more grown-up human being might have, you know, that they mm-hmm. can feel, they can think, they can do all this kind of stuff. So I just wanted to sort of, um, you know, when you're when you work with uh, mums and, yeah. um, and, and pregnant mums, I mean, what do you find? Do you, do you find that mums tend to appreciate that they've got, that little babies are little mini human beings before birth? Or what do you find is the, 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 the most common experience that mums have when they're pregnant with their little babies yeah but i would say that they the most common experience is not that they think of their baby as a as a person Mm. i mean they they kind of understand obviously it is a person on one level but on another i will often hear women say things like 
you know, I want to, you know, what books should I read so that I can prepare for how to, I, I don't want to get, make a rod for my own back, you know, with this baby. I've heard of friends that have problems because they, they've been too, you know, they held their baby too much or they, you know, they've, they responded too quickly to the baby. And I, it, it always fascinates me that, you know, if that was a, another human being, so anyone in your family, if they're upset or if they need something from you, you try and do that for them. And this idea that babies come out and they're manipulative and you have to teach them, you know, they, they, they need to self-soothe. You know, that's it's all myths. It's all also, I think, connected back to this idea that uh, a baby you know, even used to think babies couldn't feel pain, mm. you know, that you didn't have to, it, it's crazy that this, so this human being that's born, yes, with a lot less brain capacity um, as they're born, which all this, that builds, the brain builds in the first three months, you know, all these synapses or connections happening, and they can only happen really well if you love your baby, that mm. you, if you hold your baby, if you touch your baby, because it's very very basic uh, needs the baby needs to survive. And this baby will tell you that they need some of those things by crying, which yeah. is their only, uh, that's the, all they can do. So I think this book you talk about, um, I, I've done workshops with Anna Vierval, who also mm. talks a lot about this conscious birthing and how a baby actually, it, even the government, you could say, you know, with this 1001 days, they're, they're looking at from conception. So they're recognizing that from conception, that person that's growing and everything that happens in the womb like Anna Vival talks about you're marinating in your own mother's emotions mm. as a baby which is like quite a, a big thing to say but it's very true very and true. yeah so so we need to start thinking of a baby as a person and when they arrive in this world like what is the best way for this person to arrive in the world you know mm -hmm. what is gonna what's the impact on this person if they're born in a in a way that maybe could have been avoided if we had educated the the mother more if she'd had better support if she'd had more knowledge so mm -hmm. i think it's a very interesting uh and I'm sure it's going to be coming up more and more, this mm. whole mm. whole thing. Yeah, the idea that, you're the, you're, you know, that the baby can understand, that the baby can hear. You know, there's, there's research that shows that if you read bedtime stories to your baby while they're in their tummy, they'll show a preference for that story once they're mm. outside of your belly. Um, you know, they, they have memories of certain episodes that they can hear through the belly as well when they're in their tummy. They experience pain like you talked about when there's... The, there's a, a certain procedure that involves putting a needle into the amniotic sac to doing is it amnio there's a I, yeah. I can't remember what the name of that procedure is but it's for if it is it to find out if the baby's got down syndrome some um, people choose to have that and there's research that shows that some babies actually push the needle away when mm. the needle's coming through into the amniotic sac because they fear it and they don't want it and it's intruding their private space and I think if mm. women realised that their babies were fearing that kind of intrusion and they had that kind of level of an, I don't know if intelligence is the right word but certainly of emotional life then would they be making those kind of decisions and when you understand that how that yeah. changes how you might want to be treating your baby while it's nurturing and, and marinating in your juices before even it coming out you know 
Exactly. And, and then the way you also enter the world and then how you treated, you know, immediately afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite shocking sometimes in, in, for, in America, for example, when they put all these suction into the baby's mouth as soon as it comes out or, you know, even in the UK when they just, you know, carry the baby off somewhere to, well, to do the same thing if, if it's not, you know, really screaming as soon as it comes out. It, there's lots of procedures on babies that, you know, it's, um, it's it, it's not only upsetting to the mum to watch, but also the impact on that baby, mm. which is, you know, how does that translate? Especially the whole attachment theory, you know, the baby attachment to the mother, how, how crucial that is and how important it is that you do touch your baby, you do hold your baby, you do respond to your baby. Well, for some reason, there's this fear of having a child that's going to be too dependent on you. Mm. You know, it's like we mustn't respond to the baby because it's going to be too dependent. And then, you know, that's going to be really difficult. They will never be able to, you know, leave home. Mm. When, when actually it's the exact opposite. The more you respond to your baby, the more you hold your baby, the stronger and secure that attachment is, the more likely they are to not need you because yeah. they're safe in the world. In their world, they know they're safe. There's always people there to support them. So they don't need to be near their mum and dad all the time. Mm-hmm. So, I, And I think that's, that's crucial. I don't think that's one thing that must get out there more, how attachment uh, theory works. It's not about training your child to be detached from you. That's, that's not, it's, it, that does not need to happen. It's more about allowing the child to feel secure, knowing that you're there so that it feels safe enough to walk away, play with other kids, not to be attached to you by the hip. So it's it's it doesn't sound intuitive, but actually, you know, when you think about it, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. But I also think sometimes there's something to do with the way we are in the UK in terms of, you know, what how early they start school children, for example. It is this, you know, very often a. two and a half year old that starts nursery or uh, say a, a, a three and a half year old starting school sometimes some children do not want to leave their mum mm. they want their mum to be there with them and you know in, in Sweden for example they would never force the child away from a mother they would actually let the mum stay for the first week and then you know, gradually the mum will be in another room you know it's it's done in a here it's kind of no you must just go I remember doing that myself, you know, when the, when the teacher said, you know, you just leave, just leave her here and just go. And all my gut instinct was telling me that I shouldn't do that, I, mm. that I needed to say goodbye. I couldn't just be thrown away. You know, she'd think I'd be gone forever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So so I didn't, of course. I was one of those, you know. Annoying mums. Yeah, annoying <laughs> mums that decides that she knows what's best for her child. Um so it's, I, I think, we, we do, mums worry about what everyone else mm. think as well. And we, and we do compare what we do with other children. And, you know, my child can ride a bike and yours can't. You know, mm. it's, it's all this kind of competition, which I don't mm. think is always healthy or helpful. Well, I, I've been dropping off my eldest at little primary school this week. So I've just had that experience of her crying, seeing me going. And I'm like, 
you know, it's, it's awful and they're crying and you just got to go. But I have been like, you know, and I know that the minute she can't see me, she's absolutely fine. And it's just that yes. moment where I'm literally walking out the car, the classroom. That it's the difficult time. But my goodness, when she's like up at the window crying, it, it really is difficult. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. <laughs> but you, you have to be, that's okay as well. Yeah, you yeah, say that's goodbye. Okay. Because that's part of being human, isn't it? It's okay to be sad when you say goodbye to your mum mm. because you're going to miss her. But that, I, I think that's what we don't see as parents. We, it's kind of it's it's a it's it's hard work for us. Mm. You know, that's hard work for me. What what have I done wrong mm. to to make my child need to cry when lots of other children don't? Well, actually, you've done a really good job. because yeah. yeah. she it's okay. She should yeah. be missing you, you for a bit. <laughs> yeah, she loves you and she 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 wants to be back with you. So. So let's just go back to um, talking to, you know, for pregnant women that are preparing for their birth. And I'm just, you know, just based on the chat, we've kind of talked about all sorts of things. But I think based on the chat that we've had so far, it sounds to me like, you know, the way that you would maybe advise women is really just to sort of become educated about their birth choices and to really try and take the time to discover what they want and what is going to be right for them. But also to do some of that preparation, that internal work so that they're, well prepared mentally and emotionally and then to just let it go and accept and be flexible and go with the flow is that kind of would that sum up your approach for women to have a great birth experience absolutely absolutely my my big aim uh, would be that by the time this couple, this woman goes into labor, that she's totally open, flexible, flowing with any of the changes and not fixed on it having to be a certain way. Mm. And I think if women are part of the experience, as in, you know, they're talked to, things are explained to them, sometimes they might even need a little time just to get their head around that the birth experience is going to be different to how they were hoping it was going to be, it can still be a good experience. Mm. Because really, you can't control birth it can't you you can control where you give birth to a certain extent you can control who you want to be with you but the actual birth process itself once it starts it's it's kind of just going with it going with the flow like you said mm-hmm. uh, and and it's the same as a parent going with the flow the, the more you're fighting what is actually happening or what, what's the experience is giving you in, in in the in the moment is what makes it painful it's mm-hmm. it's kind of the to be flexible but that doesn't mean to give up no uh, it means just once you walk down the path you see you know the different options you have and sometimes you don't have that many mm. uh but and that, that that's okay too so yeah you you've summed it up pretty well there oh thank you thank you because i think a lot of women that maybe have um difficulties after the birth in terms of postnatal depression or some you know feeling like the negative thoughts and feelings about their birth some of those, certainly from the research and the stuff that I've been reading, comes from women that had a fixed idea about something and then it didn't yeah. go that way. Mm-hmm. And it's how they were not able to be flexible or not able to go with the flow or not able to let go of their ideal birth mm-hmm. that really that's a lot of what they're wrestling with. And yeah. if they were more able to be flexible in the moment, that they would be thinking more positively about that birth experience. And and I think that's an important point to sort of dwell on a little bit, isn't it? Because you you can the only thing you can't control birth what you can control is how you respond to your birth and how you respond to what's happening and so if you can 
you know, prepare yourself mentally and emotionally to be able to be responsive and flexible in that respect, mm. then no matter how it goes, you can still have an incredibly positive birth experience. And yes. so, you know, it might have been difficult. It might have been painful. It might have gone on for days. It might have gone yeah. to, you know, surgery. It might have all sorts of things might happen. But how you feel about it mm-hmm. can still be positive, yes. even though those things happen. And I think that's a really... You know, I think more women maybe need to grasp that as a concept as well. It doesn't have to be this beautiful, idyllic water birth with no pain. No, you know, no, <laughs> exactly. And, and I would say one of the first things to to not do is write a birth plan. You know, don't don't have a plan how you you want it to be. Yes, have some kind of a document that you call. I mean, I think they even call them that now, birth preference or some ideas around how you would like your birth to be. But these plans that are well still being used that word. It's, I know it's just a word, but it makes it sound mm. like you know we need to we need to have happen. It needs to happen a certain way, and when it doesn't, you know the first thing you have on your plan goes out the window. Then you just become despondent, and you mm. think, what's the point? You know, I might as well just you know give up now and yeah. just let do whatever. Yeah. And yeah. and the, that's you're right. It's it's actually how you're made to feel during the birth. It's how you are able to be part of the process and be able to, like you say, kind of go with what's happening and still think at the end of the day, you know, you you know why everything happened, the reasons why it happened, and at the end of it, you're holding your baby in your arms. I think mm-hmm. that's important. Mm-hmm. And one of the, I have a lot of positive birth stories from mums that come on the podcast. And one of the mums, she ended up having a birth plan for what she wanted, but also she had a plan A and a plan B and a plan C. Okay. So that, yeah. you know, if she didn't have the home birth and she had to go to hospital, it was this. And if she ended up going to hospital and they ended up going to a cesarean, then, you know, so she had all the bases covered. She yes. used to work in a conflict zone in Nepal. So she was kind oh. of used to dealing with emergency situations. And so yeah. she brought that, you know, back into her own world and planned for, you know, if it doesn't go this way, then we'll plan for this. And if this doesn't happen, we'll go for this. And then that meant yeah. that she was able to really respond she didn't have the birth that she wanted and it all went a little bit haywire but she still feels incredibly positive about it because she yeah. she was prepared for all possible outcomes and had preferences thought through already so again she didn't have to think too much during the birth because it was all all the thinking had been done already so she yes. could just go with the flow more and allow her other half to take over and, and do whatever so it's worth having you know if you are going to have a birth plan or birth preferences document then to have plenty more than one because then you've got your alternatives covered yeah exactly yeah and that shows in itself that you're flexible because you haven't just got one idea and one fixed yeah this is how it's going to be uh and 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 i think i think sometimes we just overthink too much as well the whole birth you know it, it as in we want to cover all angles which you you can do, but still you might still you, I don't think you can fully do that. No. I think you're still gonna find surprises on the way. Yeah. It's exactly like like when you then also become a new mum. It's you know yeah. you you can't always cover all angles. Mm. And so it's just about being open and flexible. So it's just back to all that, isn't it? It's just being and, and yes. that goes back to trusting yourself and just being confident in your own ability. And yeah, uh, yeah, knowing that you're not going to be perfect, and that's okay. And okay is good enough. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. (laughs) Well, Kiki, this has been a brilliant conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. We've kind of sort of talked about all sorts of things, and it's really difficult to try and wrap it all up. So I won't even try. But um, (laughs) so that you, you know, there's so much work as well that you do. Would you mind just sort of 
telling people where they can find out more about the work that you do because you know you've got your book coming out you do doula work you train doulas you also are a doula so just so that people can find out more about you and, and where you, they can find you online if you could just share a bit about that yeah well i've got i've got a birth uh, a website called birthbliss.co.uk and that's my website for my doula work but i also have a, a, the website for my courses is birthblissdoulacourses dot uh, co uk so okay. that's where you can find all the details of my course the course dates etc uh, and uh, my book i'm hoping is going to be coming out later this year and i think that's going to be available on you know amazon uh, and as a downloadable ebook okay. as well as a hard book Okay, well, I'm going to have all details of that on the podcast show notes, which is going to be, you can find the podcast show notes for today's show at fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash Kiki. And so you'll get all the links there. And are you on Twitter, Kiki? Yes, I am. I am actually doula underscore Kiki on Twitter. Oh, lovely. So I'll have (laughs) that link as well there. Well, thank you once more, Kiki, for joining me on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. It was fabulous. Thank you very much, Alexia. And I hope to speak to you again. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Kiki talking about birth, pregnancy and motherhood and all that other lovely stuff that she shared. So just a reminder, if you want to get hold of Kiki's free chapter from her new book, Secrets of Birth, then you can get that on the podcast show notes for today, which is at fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash Kiki. And of course, when I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, if you want to get yourself on the waiting list for my new free video training series that's coming out to help you to clear your fears around birth so that you can have a fear-free childbirth, then you can put your name on the list at fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash waitlist. I hope that you found today's episode useful and heartwarming and comforting and liberating and all that good stuff. And I'll see you again next time. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in. You've just been listening to Alexia Leachman from the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. If you enjoyed the show, she'd really love it if you left a review on iTunes or Stitcher or shared it with a friend. And don't forget, to get a free chapter from her book, head over to fearfreechildbirth.com to get your copy, as well as finding other episodes in this podcast and more about how Alexia can help you with pregnancy and birth preparation coaching. Until next time.